The following presentation does not represent Australian opinion or intellect. Big news, folks. Big news. Hey, you listen. He should have been slapped as a child. He's a short boy, a freak rat. He's probably being treated like a prince. I'm not a crook. I burned everything I got. You also had people that were. Very fine people. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah, we have a church rehearsal for our wedding. Oh my god. Uh, I'm seeing a wedding. <laughs> yeah. Who's wedding? Uh, it's the mate of mine. He, um, he put me on the bridal party originally, mm. and then that was t- that was set to cause some kerfuffle because it meant he had to drop another family member. So he wanted he wanted to do me he wanted to include me in the ceremony. Yeah. So he made me the MC of the wedding. I'm like, are you okay with that? Would, no. you, would you rather be the MC or would you rather be a groomsman? Well, I said to That's him, "Thanks question. a lot, man." I go now. I went from getting hammered from the start of the day to being, the to being completely sober till the yeah. very last minute because I've got to literally farewell you as you get in your limo. You ever MC'd anything? No. You've got the personality for it. I don't know. For some reason... Ah, oh, but you know what? I'm I, saying what? <laughs> I see you I see you as an esteemed guest. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like dig- dignitary. Yeah, I'll be the esteemed guest. I don't want to MC shit. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of 2000... I, I think this is still your, your photo in my phone. It's... um. Do you remember that... Oh, it was some magazine you were advertising in back in like 2011. M2? Is that what it was? The gentleman's mag. No. No. No, no, no. It was just some fashion lifestyle fashion mag. Fashion journal. Maybe. But you invited me and tits down to the Christmas party. It was somewhere in Collingwood. Fashion journal. Yes, yeah, yes. That's <laughs> the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember we were taking photos, and I'll never forget it. I, I literally put out my phone to take yeah. like a candid of you, yeah. and you just put the hand up like you were um, fending <laughs> off like paparazzi. I've still got that as your photo. It's been, yeah, literally eight Ooh, years. It depends on the angle. I don't know. We got photos that night, yeah, but yeah. I just remember that one candid. Like, I just pulled it out. Yeah, I don't like cunts pulling out phones and that <laughs> permission. It's not right. You know what I remember from that night? I just remember two things. One, we met some woman that looked like Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> She yeah, owned yeah, yeah. the vintage boutique shop, like, on <laughs> on Smith Street yeah, or Brunswick yeah, Street. We yeah. just lost our shit. And <laughs> <laughs> there were, I remember there were other girls. There were a bunch of women that, like, approached us, and they, their opening line was... How are you here? What do you do? Are you famous? Yes. Is that why you're here? And yes, I just looked yes. at him like, are you fucking serious? There were a lot of Sheilas at that party. The one- I remember. <laughs> yeah, it was a majority women. Yeah, and yeah. I just remember saying to him, well, I go, I'm here because my friend's a designer. She goes, oh, so what do you actually do? I'm like, well, I'm in media. I go, he's an actor. And I pointed at tits. And I said, no, I'm a media producer. I said, well, what have you done? I said, all right. I go, do you listen to, um, I think it was Illy. Look, it was some, some Aussie hip hop dude that was like at the top of the charts yeah it's like yeah yeah we love him like okay so i loaded up the youtube clip and it said produced by and it had my name under it yeah and like so who are you so i put out my business card and said here and just match up the names man mm. and then they just went white like ah! i said yeah no nah, whatever man and it's funny that it, it takes those kind of things to get people what excited? period yeah yeah do you know what i mean it's <laughs> <laughs> do you know what bothers me i didn't get to get you on the podcast just as the logies happened Oh no, that would have been. <laughs> that would have been wonderful. I just saw. I just saw that that ad. It was was it Gleason that won the Logie and he Who? did 
Oh, him. Gleason, yeah, the comedian. Yeah, actually, that was the best speech. I never, I've, I haven't even seen it. I just read about it. Waleed Ali was very upset. Why? Because this guy, Gleason, was his name Gleason? I think it was Gleason. Gleason. He was upset because he was making fun of people that took the award seriously. Yeah. That's what why th- would you take that award seriously? I think it's pretty <laughs> pathetic if you're taking, I mean, any award. I think if you take any award seriously, I think it's something a bit tragic about that, but particularly <laughs> <laughs> tragic. The Logies. I mean, it's the Logies. I know. It's Australian TV. I've taken the piss out of the Logies forever. I, I know. And it's not even voted for by industry people. It's by people that read TV Week. How can you take that really? seriously? Yes. Wait, hang on. Pe- this is something I didn't know. Yes, it's true. The Logies are voted on by people at home. Yes. It's not like, you know, the Khan Awards that are voted by, you know, people in the industry where you can give that a little bit more credit. Yeah. The Logies, and I've seen it in the TV Week magazine, you get your form where you nominate, you know, you tick. Yeah. Tick the boxes, your favorite actor, actress, TV show. I didn't know this. Presenter. That's what determines a win. So I think it's pretty pathetic that you take... That award, seriously, considering the calibre of people that vote for the TV week readers. So, wait, hang on. So, you're saying that the Logie, the voting rights of the Logie isn't based on merit or skill, it's just a popularity contest? Well, it's based on, in a way, a merit decided by a group of people, which are TV week readers. They're deciding the merit. <laughs> so, what I'm saying is, yeah, it, it's, it's the people that read TV week. How can you take this award seriously? <laughs> Who's bestowing you the award? It's people that fill out a form in TV Week magazine. I actually didn't know that's what it came down to. Yes. That's pretty crap. Absolutely. Because then it just points to the whole commercial element of it's decided by whoever buys this magazine. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Theoretically. So how, so how can you take that seriously? Yeah. I mean, hang on, wait. The Oscars are voted on by the Academy, basically. The, the members of the members yeah, of the academy. yeah who could be actors writers directors producers people I, of the, the craft basically I think that's a step up is there a version of the Emmys or the Golden Globes here in Australia I've got no idea there's the AFI awards so Australian Film Industry Awards okay why did laughing look the, the Oscars and stuff and the Golden Globes it's the Hollywood Foreign Press yeah. As a step up from the Logies. <laughs> but I still think it's a bit tragic to take the Oscars seriously or the Golden Globe seriously or any of the any of these awards seriously. But I like the fact that Waleed Ali got upset. Why? Oh, because... He, because it gives me tremendous pleasure whenever he gets upset. Why? Because I don't like him. <laughs> All right, hang on. Before we fly off the handle, yep. um, I have to introduce you. Anyone that's listened to this podcast for... A, a third of the time, I've mentioned your name a hundred. I've left, I've referenced you at least once an episode, especially in the early days. Yeah. So if anyone is actually listening, we have our guest, uh, Old Simo. I've known this man for, hang on, met you in 2005-ish, 6-ish. Around that time, yeah. Yeah. Yep. We started hanging out more about 10 years ago, so probably mm. 2009. I was going to say, this isn't the first time we've actually done something creative together. True. You know? Do you mm. remember what the first one was? Come on, there's one, there's one other thing. I was thinking about it today. Would have been a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Because I knew, I met you in 2005-06, but I didn't start hanging out with you more. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It was that movie. Yeah, 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 the yeah, short yeah, film. Yeah, 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 where I was a corpse. 
I was naked. <laughs> I just remember putting the call out and I, I texted um Andy and I said, dude, I need a, a nude model. He like, he's, he was like, all right, I'll get back to you. And he came back to me with your name. I'm like, really? <laughs> he's like, yeah, he doesn't care. No, and I don't care. This is the thing. <laughs> You know, I'm you know I'm not bashful. No, and no. I just remember because I'd seen you around the traps up until that point for like mm. maybe two, three years. Yeah. Like yeah, socially, like we'd catch up or, and I'd see you in groups. But that was the first time I actually hung out with you for an extended period. Yeah, and you were in the buff, and I was pointing fingers. Yes, at people to run around. You had meat on you. You were a trooper, man. That's it. how long were you on set for? At least five hours. Five, yeah, five yeah. hours. Yeah, it was only a short scene, but you were just sitting there and you had all the Probably meat. meat. And, you know, I was, like I said, I had no issue with nudity. Have you yeah. seen that film, by the way? No. You I never it? saw it. Really? No, I don't believe so. Fuck off. No, I'm not, it's true. No, no one sent me a copy. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see the, I all didn't right. see the film. I'm going to see if I can dig one up. Yeah, dig one up. I actually, like, I saw something I'd done years, years mm. ago and just sort of got on nostalgic light, like, oh my God, mm. look, you know, something from Well, I wish ago. I could have done that now. The film? N- yes. The, Why? The n- nudity. Well, cause I look so much better naked now <laughs> than I did back then. See, back then I wasn't, a, I wasn't as sharp physically, so, yeah. That was 10 years ago, man. We all looked a lot different 10 years ago. How old are we now? Yeah. That was literally 10 years. That was 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, it was a mad rush to finish the edit, and then I ended up going to Cyprus at the end, end of that year. That's right. Yeah, that well, was when the media company just started. The reason why he recommended me was because he knew that I'd done nudity before. Really? Yeah. Well, for like life art. Well, for photographers, yeah, for yeah, artists, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was always tasteful though. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any of those uh, photo? Uh, no. Do you have any of the paintings or drawings? No, they weren't paintings; they were photographs. Ah. And some uh, video type, you know, artwork. Yeah, yeah. But Do you have any of that? No. It's actually quite sad because, like, I look back at my. F- I was applying for a lot of media work over the last month, and I looked back and said, "Shit, I actually don't have a showreel." And half my stuff has just been lost, you know, like into nowhere. Yeah. Or sometimes like I'll be on YouTube and I'll see some artist pop up. I'm like, hey, wait a second. I did a music video for that guy. And then you click on his name and sure mm. enough, you go back like five, six yep. years and it's yep. there. And yep. it trips me out every single time. You should keep it. Yeah. I know, but I don't know. Anyway. All right. So, yeah, I've quoted you like a thousand times. <laughs> Is there a favorite one? One of your favorite, one of your quotes? Yeah. Yeah, there is one. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Can you say it? Yeah, yeah, because I've yeah. said it before. I said, okay, go on. Your quote was, and this was probably, yeah, like, this is easy, at least seven, eight years ago. Yeah. You said, don't have kids. That's what cunts do when they're bored. Did I say that? Yeah. Well, may I say something to, I disagree with that quote. Really? I'm going to take that back completely. I've stood by that quote, man. Well, I, 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 I've etched that into history like a well, hundred times. cunts shouldn't have... Um, kids, if they can't afford them, you know, if they if they can't provide the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. reasonable upbringing for them, I agree with that, practicality. But I think I have a better quote these days. Okay. And I think I'm going to live with this quote till the day I die, which is, I would much rather be a father than a husband. I, I, see, you- I see no use in being a husband. There's no point. But I see a point in children. I think being a father has value, and it's something that I would like to be one day, to be honest with you. But being a husband is useless, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, you live just with, an auxiliary. Well, yes. Well, you live with someone for six months. Legally, it's you know just about the same thing in this country. Yeah. Well, yeah, you get the uh, de facto rights after six months. The de facto rights, correct. So I don't see the point. It, it doesn't enhance anything. It doesn't improve anything. 
it's a it's a legality you sign up for that I I personally don't believe I need or others need. Um, marriage is a you know it's it's a decorative. I don't think that's necessary either. I've always I've, I've stood by two things. Mm. I've stood by two quotes, and one was the need to find uh, the need to find someone to spend the rest of your life with should outweigh the need to have a wedding. Without doubt. Yeah, that was one. Yes, I agree with that completely. But this, this is what what annoys me about. Um, you know, people in our culture, not just our culture, okay. ethnic culture, but other cultures, that the emphasis is on when you're getting married. Yeah. It's never about wishing or wanting you to find love. Of course, they might think that's synonymous in their heads, but the focus is always on the wedding. Yeah. They're obsessed with oh, 100%. weddings, but they're not obsessed with you finding compatibility. Oh, no, nah, man. Or love even. I mean, that, that, that word isn't mentioned, and that's what I find quite interesting. But that word isn't mentioned. I think it's important to have love and compatibility, and I place the importance of having children quite highly. So I take back that quote because I don't agree with it anymore. And I think I'm... When did I say that? Oh, this would have been like 10 years ago. Well, that, made, that makes sense. Yeah. I wasn't thinking along those lines <laughs> whatsoever. And I should have seen the value, but I didn't. Yeah, but you grow. That's proof that you've grown. Absolutely. But you know what? I still stand by that quote. You can stand Cause, by cause it because what you said, it. what you said was, "Don't have kids." It's, uh, no, it's what bored cunts. It's what cunts do when they get bored. And that that was that was at the peak of our sort of re, uh, ranting and co- and coffee sort of meetups. And it was at the peak of like you think about it, ten years ago. We were sort of in our late uh, late mid to late twenties. Yeah. And that was the age when people started just getting married. Well, I was also against. <laughs> I love you. Get your finger up. I'm wagging my finger. I'm doing, I'm doing my poot and uh, finger yeah. wag, and Thatcher finger wag. Um, <laughs> no, I, I also was quite against relationships. Yeah, I remember that. And I also, I'm not to say I'm quite ashamed of that. But again, it's it's about growth. You know, it's about growing. And I don't. I was an immaturity. Your um, your mate Bill Maher had said, marriage is basically who. Bill Maher. Uh, Bill Maher. Yeah. Bill Maher. Yeah, Bill he, he, Maher. Had said, <laughs> he, he had said something along the lines of um, how Scandinavian countries are, are sort of stopping the trend of getting married, mm. and people aren't getting married, but they're still having families and procreating. They're still having Ooh, relationships. It's a biological need, yeah, isn't it? They're still having relationships. They're just not getting married because they feel marriage is has now become the form of the government. Uh, in, uh, what a government yeah, intervention. Uh, oh, what, what's the word? Uh, it's, it's when a government... Uh, creates like the Institute of Marriage and it, they, um, like a statehood. Oh, fuck. I forgot, I forgot the actual quote, mm. but it's, it's basically the government coming in and dictating your, your relationship. Well, look, I mean, I see validity in that. We know that the church yeah. used to own marriage. Oh, no. Nah. That's got nothing to do with it. No. Church's word means shit. Church used to own it and they used to give it to the state. Now it's the other way around. The state owns marriage and they give it to the church yeah, to perform. Because the st- to, in order to perform a marriage, you need to abide by certain, doc- uh, not the, not even doctrine, just words, legal words. Legalities. Those are legalities. It's legalities. Yeah. And yep. that's, that's the whole thing. It's bureaucracy. It's, it's yes. literally the government creating a bureaucracy for your relationship. Hmm. Well, I think that... And then putting a tax on it. <laughs> I agree with what May was saying, or yeah. what he was talking about with the Scandinavians, is that, you know, the need for a relationship... Well, for human relationships is is very natural, I believe. The need to have children, I mean, particularly with women, we know it's a biological thing. Women, yeah. are, their biology is to, you know, to breed. Right. And men to spread seed. These are biological <laughs> urges that we have. Okay. Weddings and marriages are complete social constructs. We know this. Well, they're not necessary. No. They're not. And I, and I feel, 
I felt frustration over the years of particularly women who, no, but they do, but they push for the marriage. I think a lot more than men do. And I think for women, what it's about is security. They feel that if the man commits to marriage, it shows that he's serious. It shows that he's there for the long haul. Yeah. Quite often, so much of what goes on with females is about security. So my philosophy has always been, if you can't be in this relationship with me, if you can't be comfortable in my words and my actions of love, compatibility, then we're probably not meant to be together if you need that piece of paper and that ceremony to feel secure. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel a lot of men that push for it. I mean, a lot of people are doing it, you know, because of, you know, cultural obligations. Yeah. It's, it's ritualistic. It gives you, Woody Allen said, you know, <laughs> what are you laughing at? I'm laughing because Woody. you've been here like, what, four minutes and you've made a Woody Allen reference. Yeah, when he says, you know, tradition is the illusion of permanence. Yeah. And I think that's true. Oh, no, tradition does, has to change. Well, it gives you the illusion of, of, of permanence when I don't think there is any real permanence. Anytime someone leans on tradition as being the factor of why something has to continue. It's like, yeah, yeah but it was tradition to sacrifice virgins to sun gods. Yeah, once upon a time. And that was universal. That wasn't just Egyptians. <laughs> the Aztecs did it. The Incas did it. The Greeks did it. You know Ju- what I mean? Jews were sacrificing <laughs> to the temples too. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, all, all, yeah. But do you understand what I'm mm, saying? Yeah. It, it, that actually shits me when people lean on tradition just based on the fact of, like, we have to keep doing it because yeah. we've done it for so long. Exactly. Like, no, nah, there are a lot of things we don't do well, anymore. I think with the men, the men that push for it, it's either, f- it's about ego for them quite often. Ownership. Ownership. Ownership of women or ownership of that particular woman. Ego. So you have, it's quite often when I look at these elements of society. Yeah men and, and women and what they believe in and why they do what they do, quite often when I examine it, for women it comes down to security. Yeah. For men it comes down to ego. Yeah. I think we're far more egotistical as a collective. As in men are far more egotistical. Yes. Oh, I think we're, we're, we're mass egotists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look what we do. We, we literally fight beasts in the jungle yep. to get new terrain so we could plant a yep. pole with our face on it. And fly yeah. a flag. And we're colonial cunts. Yeah. Yeah. No, literally. Mm. Actually, yeah. <laughs> male ego drives that, man. It does. It's like John drove, you know, John climbed to the to the, the highest peak, and then yeah. James said, oh, fuck him. And he's going to drive yeah. to the He's, he's going to go higher. Highest, yeah. Yeah. It's ego. It's ego. It's ego. So I think it's the combination of the need for security and the maniacal ego, because it's <laughs> maniacal. <laughs> and it's it can be, and it can be quite fragile as well. So I think this is why... On, you know, men and women want to get married. Oh, men's egos are fragile as shit. And, and women will push for marriage in a million different ways. And who do I blame for that? For that lack of security? I blame their foolish mothers. <laughs> I, I blame society. I blame the media. I blame pop culture. This has gotten really dark really quick and well, really heavy. We, we've got <laughs> like, to marriage, shouldn't we? No, because I disagreed with your quote. I know. Uh, my <laughs> quote. It was my quote that should... <laughs> Because I see the value in children, and I brought up that point about I'd rather be a father than a husband any day. Any day. To me, it's a no-brainer. What for to be a husband? I feel bad because for three years I've tried mm. to get you on this podcast. I finally have you here. Well, yes. And we've just gone heavy-handed straight into the, the hard strokes of the line. Like, trying to figure out why society has failed. It's, no, no, no. All right, hang on. Yeah. Scale it back. Sorry about the coffers on, man. No, no, sorry. I've been for like three weeks. <clears throat> All right, take it back. It was about you. You brought up that quote, which yeah. <sighs> okay, I, just I've taking quick, it back. Just a quick background check because yeah, like mm. I said, people have heard about you. People haven't seen yeah. you though. Yeah, off the top of your head, mm. what's the CV like? Uh, 
you've done corporate, you've done entrepreneurship, uh, you've done your op-eds, you were running Ultimo, uh, dot, was it .com.au? .net? I don't remember. Minus the AU. Was it? Minus the AU. Yeah, you were running yep. that for a while. Yep. Um, you're still sort of involved in all that sort of shit. My favorite thing that you do now is targeting Twitter. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you do what I should be spending more time doing, and that's actually getting an opinion out and challenging people on public I do public love d- do love myself a bit of Twitter, I have to say. <laughs> um, and I'm very proud of the work that I've done on Twitter. <laughs> now, if I may say, I'm proud of the people that have blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> Did I have, like, a notorious most wanted? Well, I've, I've been able to... Uh, a four square... I could put a four square together of prolific people that yeah. have um, that have blocked me. I've only been blocked by one person. Who? It's, uh, I mentioned it last week's podcast. Susie Yusuf uh, again. Susie Yusuf. Yeah, who, it is who, her name. Who's that? She's a quote unquote comedian. Is she funny? I didn't think she was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play you last week's podcast. I go into too bad. Hannah Gatsby isn't on Twitter. Hannah Gatsby. Or is she on Twitter? I must look that up. <laughs> do you still do your Facebook thing? Yes, yes, I still do the Facebook thing, and and I've been doing that for years. I know, but that was the one last last things. That was probably one of the few things that was keeping me on Facey until I shut down. You're like, it wasn't even okay. So what mm. you do is you present an argument, not even an argument. Well, sometimes just, I present a topic. It's a topic, and I pose a question. Yeah. To my people. Or I might make a statement, or I might write a statement piece. It yeah. just depends on my mood, you know, what, I'm, what yeah. I'm feeling. But then, like, yeah, you have all the people sort of losing their shit. Like, and it can get, I call it the Coliseum, and it can get quite, um... It is a Coliseum. It is a Coliseum. And as I say to people, don't bother stepping into it if you're not prepared to take on the gladiators and the big cats. Yeah. Because you're going to jump in and say something, <laughs> you may be pulled up on it. You may be challenged, you may be criticised. But that's the name of the game. You want to love the fact that mm. people still challenge you, people still step in. Like, whatever you've, whatever question you've posed, whatever yeah. topic you've put up, they step in. And they might disagree with you every single time. And there go, are some. Yeah. yeah. But they don't block you. They don't walk away. Like, obviously, there are some that do. There, there actually have been many, many that have blocked me. Really? And I took statistics on it. <laughs> oh, I could, shit. Yeah, because I could see who unfriended me. Oh, the okay. software program, and it would tell me the the name, the day, and even down to the time. Okay, so I knew which person I'd offended or I'd upset. So, did you find it was people that you'd actually had on your social feed because you knew them, and eventually, like that, pushed them over the edge, or was it people that just caught on to what you were doing and just sort of followed? Well, I knew them, and they were you know part of this debate group or this discussion group. Okay, but I noticed a very very interesting trend. In the people that were unfriending me or blocking me. Yeah. Uh, the statistics from last year, <laughs> 2018, uh, 98.5, let me get this right, 98.5% were gay men. Really? Mm. Yeah. That's a fact. An un- a statistical fact. <laughs> it's undisputed. That's, that's, yeah, okay, so that's not fake yep. news. It's actually no, no fact. fake news here. It's an absolute fact that no 98%, 98.5% were, yeah, gay men. Okay, for, for anyone listening that hasn't followed on to you, um, what are your typical questions or <clears throat> statements that you pr- propose? Well, I mean, we cover topical issues. Okay. You know, so what's going on in the world, you know, whatever's topical, you know, I jump on. 
Yeah. I know, um, I know sometimes in our WhatsApp conversations, you'll flick like a question or you, you'll just pull yeah, up something yeah. and say, hey, man, what do you think of this well, guy? Or- they're they're quite, quite often, you know, I run it where, you know, we cover the politics of the world, both national and international. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We cover all kinds of social issues, a, a vast range of social issues. Also, you know, we do movie reviews as well. We cover things that are going on in arts and entertainment yeah, as so well. Essentially, it's like what, I, what this podcast is. Yes, yeah, so it's yeah. a mix. And also, I might write a statement piece about. I don't know what we were talking about before with the marriage about how uh, yeah. I, how what I believe men go into it with and what I believe women go into it with. Yeah, yeah. So it can be that as well. I'll put up. A, I'll write a statement instead of asking a question. Yeah. Do uh, the back to the Twitter for a second. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, who are your top uh, your headshots on on Twitter? Well, the first person that blocked me. I'm very proud of this. Was the um, rabid um, Islamist from the US. Oh, well, um, Linda Sasser, yeah, or otherwise known as Madam Cockroach, because Sasser means cockroach in Arabic. Really? So her name fits her. Okay. Really neat. I told her off. I, well, I called her a closet theocratic Islamist, and I told her off for calling for the genital mutilation of Ayan Hirsi Ali and Brigitte Gabriel. Okay. She said they don't deserve to be women, and she wished she could take their vaginas away. Uh huh. Horrible. And she calls herself a feminist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She's promoting ge- uh, gen- uh, general mutilation. And she's also an Islamist. She's a Sharia advocate. She says you can't be a feminist and support the state of Israel, yet she's a Islamist and Sharia advocate. I mean, what's the state of Israel done against women? Tell me that. If anything, it's empowered them and uplifted them. That's the thing, man. I was going to say, mm. like, um, even when I'm talking to like Arab friends and people in the Middle East and whatever, yeah. they always... It didn't matter where they were from, whether it was Syria, Lebanon, whatever. They always talked about Israel. Yeah. And they said it's it's really cool because it's like a progressive version of the Arab world where there's a lot of stuff that they relate to <clears throat> you know, outside of religion and language. There's a lot of stuff yeah. that they relate to regarding the culture, the food, the drink, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But in many ways, they're more progressive than... The, they're as progressive as they wish they could be in their own uh, homelands. Well, this is the thing, and not many people know about this, but you know, post-1948, with the War of Independence, the establishment of Israel... Israel took in over 45,000 um, Arab Muslim refugees from British Mandate yeah. Palestine and gave them equal rights. Straight up. Straight up in citizenship. And they were surveyed not too long ago, and they were asked if if you could have a, a 15th Arab state. I mean, which other ethnic ancestors you can brag about having 14 states? Yeah. They're the only ones in the world. So anyway, a 15th, a 15th state called, let's call it Palestine, for argument's sake, um, would you move there? And over 90% said no, because they knew that they would not have the freedoms and liberties in that 15th state that they do in Israel. When was this? The survey was done, it would have been uh, five or so years ago. By who? It was done by, who was the um, organization? It wasn't, um, it wasn't, certainly wasn't the UN. You don't expect that you went to be doing something like that. No, no chance. No, because they're, yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember who did it. But there's been a number of... This is the thing, that people don't want to know about this. They don't want to know about the Arabs. Yeah. The ethnic ancestral Arabs living within the state of Israel that are happy. Yeah. That enjoy all these rights and freedoms that they don't have. Yeah. In all the other states. So, yeah, these are things that I pointed out to Adam Cockroach, (laughs) (laughs) amongst other things. So, yeah, she blocked me. Clementine Ford blocked me. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> For what? Uh, what? What was the thing that broke the camel's back? Mind you, these people, you didn't just... 
I know for a fact that you mm. didn't just go up to these people and start calling them names. Oh, I don't call people names yeah. straight off. It was literally <laughs> a back and forth which resulted in you getting blocked. Yeah, though Sasua's got a temper on her. Yeah. So she blocked me pretty much straight away. I didn't get much of a conversation <laughs> from her. Um, yeah, she's rabid. But I think that's key to note, the fact that, yeah, it was... You propose a statement, you propose a question or make a statement, sure. and there's a, a back and forth. Well, with Ford, there was many back and forths. We, we got into it over transgender. Um, we got into it. Oh, she said something ridiculous about um, the reason why, and she's always on about white men, this obsession with white skin that she hates, white men. She said the reason why you know white men or Western men don't like Islam or the idea of Islam is because they wish they could treat women the way they think Arab men treat what? their women, which not all Arab men are Muslim to begin with. I mean, she doesn't know this. She's globally ignorant. I think she lives in a, in a microcosm. Yeah. Uh, I told her this. <laughs> uh, she, she's not well-traveled, not, not well-educated. <laughs> um, and the other thing is I've noticed this um, vicious misandry she has. Yeah. And quite often women like this, they carry this, this hatred of men, but it really has nothing to do with the wider society. They make it out to be like it's got something to do with the wider society, yeah. but it isn't. It's about their own neuroses and their own hang-ups. So I, kind of, I kind of came up with a theory, just listening to what she says, is she's always on about how the, the, the horrors of, of, of white men never talks about men on a global perspective and all the things that she attributes to white men that are negative yeah. or are toxic, you'll find in men all over the world, you know, in, in Asia, in, in Africa, in the Middle East, it's common everywhere. So I said to her, look, I think I know <laughs> where your misandry comes from. It's not about the wider society, really. And the reason why you're always talking about white men uh, and heterosexual men, she doesn't like heterosexual men much either, is because th that's been your entire world. You know, that's your microcosm. That's the only type of men you've known. So what's going on with these men in your microcosm? Well, the reality, I believe, is that you're raging against these men because they haven't given you what you want, which is aesthetical and sexual validation and approval. She hasn't gotten an enough of that from these men that she desires it from. So she's lashing out at them. Yeah. So I t told her, this is the reason for your misandry. Is it this is what you believe anyway. This is what I believe. Yeah. Based on my observations and the things she says and does. I yeah. think it makes sense because of a very very microcosmic uh, approach yeah. to men. It's always about white men and heterosexual men, and it's about the men that she's been surrounded by yeah. in, in Australia. There's over six billion people on the planet. They're not all white men. No, they're not all white men, and she doesn't have global scope, so I told her that as well. So when I told her this is the reason why I think you don't like men, she blocked me. <laughs> so there was that. Uh, Van, Van Badham is another one. Um, now, I never said anything against her. She got upset because I said something about her mate Ford. Yeah. So then she blocked me. And then I got into um, another one with Michelle, Michelle Laurie. You know that? Oh, the comedian. The one that fancies herself as a the comedian. And TV she, presenter. And she appears on the project. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was trying to make equivalencies between Islam and, and Christianity. Yeah. Saying that they're just as, just as bad as each other. And she, as a lot of people do, she was conflating the, um, the corruptions and the decisions made by the institution, <laughs> that is the Catholic Church, okay. with Christianity. And we know that if you look at a lot of the issues that people have with what they bring up, their issues with Christianity. 
You can talk about the Crusades, which I don't think were completely incorrect, by the way. The motivation of them was, was decent. Uh, you had <laughs> your fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Jerusalem was under siege. What do you expect? <laughs> you know, there was the Inquisition. You know, you can talk about the genocide in in South America yeah. and the looting of South America. You can talk about what's gone on in, in Africa. Where they Colonialism, just period. Well, yes, but even in Africa, you know, they promoted the idea that condoms increases your chance of... AIDS, which, yeah, is, that's, that's which are they responsible for a lot that's of... That's wrong. And also the child sex abuse. You have the celibacy policies. You have the selling of indulgences. You have the allegiances with Nazism and, and fascism. Yeah. These are all terrible things, and I agree that they're all terrible things. But you can't pin that on Christianity as a faith-based ideology. These are the decisions and the corruptions of an institution that happens to be religious, but you won't find any of those things, any of those things commanded in, in the New Testament. Well, and not in the words of Jesus. Thing. You find no. these, these wannabe hardcore fundamentalist Christians, not even fundamentalists, just, uh, what's the word we use? Uh, uh, when they become, um, fashionably religious. Mm. When it suits. You know what mm. I mean? When, God forbid, something happens that, you know, uh, brings their beliefs into disrepute or, or threatens yeah. their existence, you know, like gay marriage or whatever. And, um, they start pointing at, oh, you know, God said to do this and God said to do that. It's like, well, actually, he didn't. He didn't say any of that. These are all created within your institutions. Yes, and the word of God. Your denominations, your various yeah. denominations. You know, whether you're evangelicals yeah. or Pentecostals or whatever. There's a million maybe. clubs, man. Yeah, there's yeah. a million clubs, and you know, they kind of make up their own ideas as they go along. Yeah, it's not gospel. Yeah, but we have to remember that some things are gospel as well, yeah. and some things are very clear in religious ideology. So Michelle was a typical of you know these um, guilt-ridden masochistic westerners as i call them yeah. oriental fetishists we can call them as well i love that term <laughs> was defending islam yeah and defending the concept of sharia law without understanding and as i always say to people you want to do a comparison of religious ideologies you must um compare and contrast the, the we're talking the about books. the core fundamental ideology we're talking about what's written yeah yeah the actual religious ideology itself so you have to look at the holy books that are in operation and I always correct people. Are always bring up Leviticus to me. Yeah, I tell people that's the OT. You know, that's the Old Testament. Christians are not bound by it. It wasn't written for Christians. It was written for the for the Jews. Yeah, it's not part of, and it's it's more or less redundant. The the Christians go by the New Testament, and they go by the words of Jesus, which are combined in, in the one book. Yeah, so you have to compare the holy books. You also have to compare the words and the commands and the lives of prophets. So you have Jesus versus Muhammad there. Yeah. And then you have to uh, compare and contrast theocratic law. And we know that Sharia law, for example, comes from a combination of the Quran and the Hadith, yeah. which the Hadiths are the words of and commands of Muhammad. We have canon law in, in the Christian sector. We have Sharia law in the Islamic sector. So you have to look at how not only how is this these laws are written, but how they're applied and enforced around the world. Yeah. So the severity of both, the theoretical and the practical. I presented this to Laurie. <laughs> you think she listened? <laughs> no. Nah, you think she wanted to wanted to hear that? No, she was on a, a specific kind of agenda. So she got me. That was a pretty heated one. So we got. She blocked me after that. Now I have not been able to be. I've tried. You know, Yasmin Abdel Majid. Yeah, you are the mate. The deranged clown. I haven't. You know. No, she. I think she likes the conflict. Yeah, 
And um, then there's the other one, and I know you like this one, um, the naughty little convert. <laughs> this is like <laughs> Susan Carlin. Yeah. yeah we, we had a few epic rows because I kind of told... she block you, though? No, she likes it. Yeah. So she didn't block me. Um, I kind of told her why I thought she converted. Uh, and, um, yeah, she didn't take kindly to, to that. <laughs> the fact that they haven't blocked you says something, mm. though. And then there's, you know I mean? there's my mate Cher. You oh, know, yeah. we go back and forth. I mean, she and I disagree on a number of things. You know, she's so pro yeah. Hillary and so anti Trump. And I'm not pro either, either by any means. Yeah. But I think with a lot of these celebrities that get quite fanatical and get caught up, and they've got friendships with Clinton, most of them. So yeah. they become so anti Donnie that they become so pro Clinton. Yeah. So we've gone back and forth over Clinton, Obama, who I don't believe was a golden boy. I Obama, mean, no. no as a president, as a president, his statistics weren't the best. He look, he was articulate. Sorry, he is articulate. He, he was, a, he was a good politician as he, far as the he, way he presented. He's himself. a career politician, like yeah. Clinton. He's he was a diplomat. He's even yeah, that. he's articulate. He's well presented. He's intelligent. Yeah. Um, he tried to do some good things. Yeah. Uh, I give him credit for trying to push the Medicare. I give him credit for. You know, the gun control. Yeah. But, you know, certainly no no golden boy, particularly when it came to foreign policy. Yeah. You know, um, him and Clinton, as Secretary of State, did a lot of damage. <laughs> you love that. <laughs> so, well, that's the truth. But, you know, I so Cher and I argue a bit about, and Putin, she doesn't like Putin. Yeah. And you know that I don't think he's a good man or a moral man, but there are many things I do like about him. Now, your quote is, as a statesman, he's, he's ahead of the rest. Well, he's a brilliant statesman. Yeah. He's very intelligent, very cunning. <laughs> he stands up against the aggression of the US and of NATO, and NATO are aggressive. Yeah. My word, they are. And he's a great strategist, yeah. and he's impeccable on foreign policy. So these are the things I like about him. Of course, there are things I don't like about him. And we can talk about the, the killing of opposition. We can talk about the, <laughs> Who the, has the, the regulation of the free that, press. Man, seriously? Yeah, I know. Seriously. I don't approve of that. And I'd tell him that if I saw him. But, you yeah. know, um, I think that you can admire qualities about someone that isn't good or moral. You can give credit where you think credit's due. You know what kills me, Matt? And they're just... This has been on my mind a lot the last sort of couple of weeks, yeah. especially because I've been working full time, yep. so spend more time, you know, just looking at media and talking to people and that sort of shit. Mm. Here you're talking about having these candid, confronting, forward <clears throat> conversations, you know, via Twitter, etc., yeah. with like certain either pseudo celebrities or you know political figures or whatever commentators, yeah. etc. Yeah. Now, whether you agree or disagree with your opinion, whether the general public does, yeah, you can't knock it for being uneducated. Sure. Like you've, you've formed your opinion or whatever it is based on facts that you've read. Yes, or, yes, uh, or historical facts, histor certainly. Yeah, historical, historical facts, facts can't be disputed. Yeah, or philosophy or whatever. Like just Or drawing a conclusion. Yeah. I, I always say, you know, you've got if you're going to make a statement, you've got to back it up with reasons. Yeah. Now, what annoys me yeah. is that, I mean, you and I talk politics and you know, religion and science and philosophy, whatever. We yeah. talk about it, but yeah. I'm in no way near anywhere as read as you are. Like, I can openly admit that. Okay, I can hold a conversation, but I can't mm. go in a massive historical debate. Okay, what pisses me off is what population, what what percentage of the population out there do you believe shares the same insight or passion that you do regarding these topics? I think they're out there. They are out there. They are out there, and I don't know what the percentage. It's hard. No, no, to put a without on it. putting a number on it, I'm just saying. Like, you think about 
the people you grew up with. Think about the people you went to school with, the people you socialize with, even the people yep. you socialize with, man. Even the people I socialize with, people that I respect, people I think are intelligent, blah, blah, blah. They wouldn't be concerned with any of this shit. And someone could be listening, like, someone in a week could listen to this podcast and say, what the fuck's this guy talking about? Yeah. You know, who gives a shit? But they'll go nuts over the Logies. Well, I feel sorry for them. That's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> like, it bothers me. Well, it bothers me, too, because they're more um, enamored by the trivial. Not even the Logies. Like, man, I've been trying to follow the news the last couple of days. Yeah. I sort of fell off a bit. I was just doing my own work. And you get uh, the Epstein thing. Right? Oh, yes. yeah. I caught yep. that like literally yep. minutes after it happened. Yeah. You know, Twitter and the news just sort of blew up and I went, shit, Epstein. You know, I guarantee you, you go out the street, man, shit, Epstein killed himself. Who's Epstein? Then you look at like mass media, you know, websites or papers or whatever. Yeah. There'll be something about Epstein. Breaking news is that thing in Sydney, that, that, that guy that uh, stabbed someone. The stabber. Yeah, I didn't even today, read that. I didn't afternoon. see that until you, yeah. you sent it to me. Yeah. And then the rest. It's about Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth's marriage ending after seven months. Were they married? <laughs> I didn't know. But yeah. I swear to God, every other bulletin has just been about that. Like three feature articles on mm. why their marriage ended and why it's a bad thing. How can someone like Epstein supposedly kill himself and it gets overshadowed by Liam Hemsworth and yeah. Miley Cyrus's marriage, man? Well, the, the Epstein thing's very important, isn't it? Because of... Dude, all, all the information. Everything this, this man knew. There's everything this man knew about all these, you know, very important, very wealthy, you know, figures. Literally, the documents that were sealed regarding his entire sort of life, yeah. everything that ever happened at his parties, that literally got opened and then less than 24 hours later, he's dead. He's dead. And, you know, I think people, well, I was certainly interested. I didn't see it coming. In whether it was suicide, suicide, whether it was foul play yeah and when i say foul play i mean was his suicide encouraged and yeah. enabled did someone hand him the rope so to speak because he was on suicide watch yeah for he some tried time. killing himself like two yes weeks ago i don't i don't doubt that the cunt wanted to kill himself no, I, he, he was I facing would, forget it man. i would too if i was in his shoes yeah. but that doesn't and then why was he taken off suicide watch in the last week it's not impossible to throw around the idea that someone helped facilitate his death. Yeah, for sure. Just to make sure. It's either, you know, gross corruption or gross inadequacy of the system. And then when you're looking at it, you think about everyone that was implicated in his papers. Well, the, you know, you've got... Trump! <laughs> just Donnie! The, just um, to start, you've got the President of the United States. And, well, I want to mention Bill and Hillary, yeah, Bill, too. Bill was in there. Bill, well, Bill... Prince Andrew, I think. He's a naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he? He's like his aunt. <laughs> yeah, man. Like Margaret. Yeah. Um, both naughty. Um, <laughs> and who else, you know, was in... I mean, I haven't I haven't seen the full list. No, but, all right. For, for context's sake, Epstein was... He was in finance, wasn't he? It was a, some sort of power breaker. I can't, I can't even remember. Well, and there's also this, what they call Pedo Island. Yeah, well, he was... Okay, mm. for people that don't know, all right, Epstein was a high man in power, like with fucking, yeah, just power, money, all that sort of shit, hobnob with celebrities and politicians and people on Wall Street and yada yada, and he basically had, yeah, Pedo Island. But, uh, now, <laughs> what I wanted to know was the, these girls, they're all girls. Yeah. Were they pre-pubescent or were they post-pubescent and that was a question i asked because i i didn't know too much about pedo island or too much about the back and i was told that you know they were all post-pubescent yeah so in that case we've got to call them pet pederists 
It's pedestry as opposed pedestry. to yeah, yeah. So they're pedestrists, not <laughs> pedophiles. Yeah. In, in that case, so that's the technical distinction that that you have to make. So we have to correct people. On this <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have people coming after you like Salman Rushdie, man, in the nineties. Well, he's I, anyone that has a fatwa out on them is a friend of mine. <laughs> so that's that Salman Rushdie, that's Ayan Hirsi Ali, Majid Nawaz. I mean, Sam Harris might. Well, I love Sam Harris. Sam Harris? Yeah. He probably should have a fatwa at him now if he doesn't already, but... Who put the fatwa on um, Salman Rushdie? Was it the Ayatollah? It was the Ayatollahs, yes, because he had written that book, The Satanic Verse. Yeah, Versus, I remember the Satanic Verse. And I was reading it on my way to Argentina this year. I started reading the first few pages on the aeroplane. There's an aeroplane crash in the first two pages. The, aer- <laughs> the plane splits in half. Right. So I had to put it down because, yeah. you know, my nerves can't take that <laughs> on the plane. So I put it down. But, you know, I was very excited to read this book because of, you know, what he was saying in the book yeah. about there being uh, certain verses in the Quran that are satanic, yeah. pretty much. And, of course, the Islamic world didn't like this. The Ayatollahs took great offense to this, and um, they put the fatwa out on him, and he's there have been a, a few assassination attempts on his life. I know that the, the the poor Japanese publisher in Japan was killed. Yeah, I remember that. For publishing it. Yeah. Um, and people in Britain felt, and this is the, how piss-weak some of these British can be, is that they felt that he shouldn't have gotten the Nobel Prize for Literature because he had offended people. So what? Precisely, that's what my idol Christopher Hitchens said. He said, you so what? Oh, I love him so much. Yeah, remember he's, I sent you a link to the uh, the Twelve Commandments, I think, breaking them down? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I reckon that break, his breakdown of the Twelve Commandments is probably the most yeah. accurate because it paints a picture of, uh, you look at the Twelve Commandments and everything that they, they stand for and when you break them down, what they actually mean. Yeah. And it just, you know, who would, these just paint the p- picture of an egotistical, narcissistic, jealous, you know, emotion-driven <laughs> man, you know, yeah. that just wants to control whoever's beneath him. Yeah. 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 So then you see, you know, the work of God and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, yeah, I reckon that that was probably the best best breakdown. Well, this is, I mean, he pointed out the nonsense of what was going on in Pakistan when that happened. You know, with the book, people in Pakistan were outraged and they started suicide bombing. Yet Britain was too weak to tell them to stop. <laughs> That stop this nonsense, yeah. or we're not going to give you any more aid money, <laughs> which is what they should have said. Yeah. Why should we, you know, finance or provide aid money? We're talking about cutting off sanctions. I don't believe sanctions are good, but you're giving them all this money and aid, yet they're telling us what we can and can't do in our own countries. We can't create satire of Mo. We can't, you know, write books like, you know, the satanic verses. Oh, we're going to suicide bomb, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that. Yeah, I think we've spoken that uh, we've mm. spoken about that at length. The fact that Muslims have no sense of humour regarding their religion at all. Which is fine, yeah, like, your religion can be sacred, etc. But then you look at, in contrast, what the Jews, Christians... Yeah, everyone. It takes the piss out of their own religion. Yeah, well, look, I mean, the one group that actually doesn't mind a bit of self-comedy is the Saudi Arabs. Yeah. There's that ventriloquist who does the, um, I forget his name, but he's very funny. He's got, oh, he's got the Arab, uh, the bomber um, yes, doll. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember who the ventriloquist He's very funny. And, and I read that, you know, the Saudi Arabs think he's a riot, which yeah. I was surprised by initially because I didn't think they'd find that yeah, funny. Yeah, I didn't think that'd take some, that. But I'm, I didn't I'm, think that would take to that at all, man. No, but I'm glad they find it funny because it's good. It's good to see that some people can have a laugh over things like that. But, you know, this is, this is a problem, isn't it? Where not only... 
can we not take? That um, I was going to say that article that you sent me today. Which one? The Nils Cosmos one. Oh yeah. I was trying to find the author, man. He's a he's a lawyer. He's a Greek Australian lawyer who apparently writes poetry in Greek. Yeah, he's, he's a, a poet. Published. Yeah. yeah. I've never actually. I think I've seen his name in print, but I've never couldn't find a contact. Couldn't find anything. Yeah. But that article in itself, I actually sent it to my mum as well, and she called me. And she said that was actually really good. I actually thought it was a good article. Brilliant yeah. article. Yeah. It really touches on what you were saying earlier when you first sat what down did I say? about um. Tradition, culture, and uh, what were you saying? I can't I'd have to scroll back, but mm. like the, the the essence of that article. What was it called? Um, hang on, bring yes. it up. Yeah, yeah, you literally sent it to me like two seconds ago. Uh, hang on, Greek uh, Greek club mentality that is uh, misogynistic and degrading to local women should be um, yeah, name and shame them. Yeah, that was about that was. F- uh, What's it called? That was centered around all those social clubs, yeah. Yeah, that the, I mean, the philanthropic fucking social clubs. You ever, have you been, have you ever been part of them? Never, 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 no. No, like your parents went in them or anything like that. No, they never liked them. My I don't um, think. my mum is part of a choir. I think it's the Florinian choir. I, yeah, I can't remember. But she she started that years years ago. But I don't ever remember us going to those social clubs. I think mm. more because no one's here. Yeah, well, see, my, my parents were, well, my mother was born and raised here. My dad came here when he was very young. They weren't part of that first generation. Yeah. And I think as, they were, you know, decently traveled and they didn't feel an attachment to that. They thought it was too conservative, too, too old school. Yeah. So that, they didn't partake in those, you know, those, those social events. Yeah. See, like, cause my parents came here when they were young as well. My dad mm. was in his teens. My mom was in her early twenties. Yeah. And my mom came here in the early seventies, man. My dad came here in the late sixties, I mm-hmm. think. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. And, um, my mom left greece to avoid falling into that trap like my grandfather mom was gifted as a kid you know she was she was obviously raised in a village but she was smart yeah mm. she was quick and an uncle said you know you got to send her to school you got to send her to university and my grandfather said no she's gonna you know work here in the fields and turn her into a housewife and that's that mm. so my mom saw that coming and said oh fuck that yeah, really uh, the shit up. She should. Yeah, learned English, got on the first plane, yeah. and headed out here. Well, this is isn't it interesting? This is the um, I think the the disadvantage of this old world. We romanticize the old world in many ways, and there are some great things about it. Yeah, but this is one of its you know handfuls of um well negatives. I think. That, um, well, that article that you um were going on about it was Greek club mentality that is misogynistic and degrading the local women should be named and shamed. Yeah. As uh, by Dean Kalimnil. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, it's about the Greek community and its social clubs and communities uh, service clubs and philanthropic like yeah. bullshit. Basically, ties into the old world, as in the people that run the clubs are all in their seventies. Yeah, they're old men. Yeah, they're, they're old, old now. Greek men. Yeah, I mean, well, they're they the same age as my my mum. Yeah, they've been yeah. in late seventies, mid seventies, and they basically run these clubs to keep up, you know, the whole tradition of you know the, the whole social element of, of Greek culture, and which is good in itself. Which like, is fine. I, I like that. I've yeah, got no problem with that. No, but old world Greek mentality is not twenty first century. No, but they haven't evolved in in the, the way that they treat women. Yeah, but this old world Greek mentality of of treatment of women, let's say, 
you'll find that just about everywhere in the world. Yeah. You know, this is not an exclusive Greek problem, but it's good that this this author's highlighting this problem in the Greek community. Yeah, as a Greek. Because as know, a Greek, yeah. we need to know these things, and it's, I mean, read some of the stuff that these old men were saying and doing. Oh, I mean, it's disgusting. It's, abs- it's absolutely appalling. Um and it shouldn't be tolerated, and it, sh- it should be it should be called out. Absolutely, I don't like the idea where a lot of the old farts get away with blanket statement of "oh, he's just old." That's how he is. Just ignore it. I hate that. Yeah, I don't think no. And it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I remember when the same sex marriage. Oh, quote, yeah, quote, no, forget it. Uh, anyway, I had to go around to the elders of the family, <laughs> and you know, and get them to to vote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I voted accordingly to their wishes because I filled out the paperwork for them. They didn't. They can't yeah, read yeah. it. And you know, none of them voted yes to it. Yeah. They couldn't tell you why, apart from the fact that they just thought it was wrong. Yeah. It's wrong because it's wrong. And uh, you know, part of me was saying, okay, well, they're old and, eh, you yeah. know, what 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 can you expect? Um, but really, I sat down, I thought about it, and I thought, well, really, what can I expect with this one, for example, because. You have people that left rural villages. A, B, came to Australia. Not completely getified themselves because they didn't, but they, you know, they kind of stayed with their own in many they ways. They stayed with their own, man. They needed the support. I get that. And they did They did it tough, very tough back then. They didn't have government-subsidized allowances or houses. Yeah. Though... They they weren't completely cut off, and I want to make that point as well, that even though they didn't learn English properly, they still mingled with the world outside of their, their Greek yeah. bubble. They did do that. Um, but how can... what you? This is my point, is how can you expect someone who's had this path to be okay with same-sex marriage when they've yeah. led such insular lives and they haven't... They haven't allowed themselves to learn English properly. You had to learn, develop new ideas. It's just not not part of their structure. So, I, but with the women thing, I think it's a it, it, it's different because you're talking about simple respect for human beings. That, yeah, that's that's literally base camp. Yeah, going it, up. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It's base camp. The, the marriage idea is radical, and we have to accept the fact that to some people, people of that world. It's radical. It's a very, very radical idea. No matter how much you talk about equal legal rights for couples, yeah. they just don't. They don't get it. Yeah, you can't explain it to them. I've tried, it and it just doesn't work. Yeah. So with that one, I can be like, oh well, yeah, that's that's the old world, and I don't expect them to understand this type of legality. But with this base element, as you say, yeah, human respect and treating women like they're animals. Or just mere sexual objects for amusement, and what they're saying is that you know they're just so inferior. Yeah, that's the core idea behind it. Um, and this misogyny, as I said, you'll find it just about everywhere in the world. Yeah, that's no, definitely not isolated. It's not Greeks in Melbourne. Oh no, 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 no. And he would agree with us as well. But he's pointing out what's going on in our in our in our backyard in our yeah. backyard in our context here. And it's funny, isn't it, with misogyny? We talk a lot about misogyny on my platforms. It's one of my favorite topics. Um, that I always, I categorize it in three brands. There's three brands of misogyny out there. You've got the misogyny that's perpetrated by, um, heterosexual men, which is quite often the base of it is sexual, which is objectification, which yeah. is, um, you know, superiority of, of men over the inferiority of women. 
Then you have uh, female misogyny, the misogyny that females directed other women. Yeah. And that's very vicious. Women don't like other women. You know, I think... In, women hate women, man. In many of the way that they treat each other, you know, not so collaborative. It's it's more um, competitive. Yeah. And and vicious. Um, because it's not saying all women behave like that, but the way that they rip each other to pieces. Yeah. It's, it's very, very specific. And it's very different from the heterosexual brand, obviously. And then you have the um, gay male brand of misogyny and you know they seem to get away with it but i don't let them get away with it because their brand is similar to the female brand but the way that they treat women i mean they 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 use women as caterers to their egos just like you know heterosexual men do yeah and the way they they tear them apart based on their appearances you know on their hair and their body and their makeup and their it's a superficial shit their clothes and you know words like bitch and slut and hoe are you know ingrained in their daily language the way they talk about women the way they talk at women yeah the the demigoddess diva type worship i think is a brand of misogyny as well because you are that they idealize women in uh, to be demigoddesses and you know what really bothered me i, I actually i started reading into it and then i stopped because i just it was fucking infuriating me which that one kid that kid that uh, does drag. <laughs> that Desmond is amazing. Desmond, is that his name? I got no idea. When you, I didn't even know who he was until you sent me that yeah. article, and I just went, "What? That is infuriating." Well, this is a problem, and uh, most of this nonsense comes out of the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, where all this stuff grows out of. Um, <clears throat> he started, I believe, when he was eight, and his mother had put him at the forefront of this kind of movement where at, at, he was watching RuPaul's Drag Race as a two-year-old, as a three-year-old. Well, how does a child discover that? Well, the mother had put him yeah. in front of it. Um, so you have him going on from eight to ten. She's um, pretty much used him both as a, as a commercial commodity to create a brand yeah. and I believe also as a, as a weapon, both a political weapon and an instrument of revenge, and I'm going to explain that. Um, <laughs> instrument of revenge. An instrument of revenge. Um, and it ties into what, something similar to what I said about Clementine Ford before. Um, but you have this child that is posed and postured very, very sexually, sexually suggestive poses, you know, like with the, the, the dress strap off the top and yeah. posing like this, kind of like Playboy or Penthouse covers. Yeah. You remember the old covers of the 80s and yeah. 90s? That, that's what his... The best photos, covers. The best covers, <laughs> except not when it's an, a, yeah. a child. Uh, and this is being pumped out into the media yeah. for all to see. This is your child. Think yeah. about that. Um, as, a, as a 10-year-old, he's gyrating... In public, twerking, sexual maneuvers. He's um, at gay clubs, performing in a crop top and collecting money from patrons. He's interviewed on television, and this is what bothered me. He, he came out dancing about to a share song, I yeah. believe, and he kind of collapsed on the floor in this exaggerated... You know, they never get femininity right this, this lot. This exaggerated <laughs> caricature, which is this idealized pop cultural view of women yeah. that doesn't exist... Uh, and he, he was being interviewed, I believe, is on the spectrum of autism based yeah. on the way that he interacts and the way he speaks, and you can see it in his eyes. But on top of that, he's dead behind the eyes. You know, something isn't right with this child, yet you have 
the audience applauding, uh, wetting themselves. You have the hosts wetting themselves. Now, if that was a little girl... That's what bothered me the most. If that was a little girl. Now, you can imagine the outcry as well there should be if that was a little girl, because not only do you have uh, child financial exploitation, you have child objectification yeah. and sexualization. I don't understand how you can get away... I tell you why. You can get away with a, a kid. A boy. A it's boy, a, a boy, not a girl. A it's boy. a boy cross-dressing and sexualizing everything. You're literally putting him up on a pedestal and doing these sexually provocative moves. Well, you know why, don't you? <laughs> we wrap it up in a, in a rainbow flag. Yeah. You wrap it up in a rainbow flag and all of a sudden it, it's bold. I don't like And it's fierce and it's innovative and it's progressive. Man, I, I watched Prince as a kid. Yeah, and he had some of the most sexually provocative music videos of all time. He was an adult, yeah. Right? But he was a man. He was a grown man. He was a grown man. And he and he was he literally meshed the, the lines and the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, he brought that whole avant-garde thing. He brought that um whole, just a provocative sort of, you know, sexual nature. It was unseen. Like, I mean, it wasn't unseen, but it was his time. But they've got a kid doing these sexually provocative moves, and they're paying him off. Yeah, well, as I said. How? Wrap a rainbow flag around it all of a sudden. If it was a girl, if it, it was a little girl. It wouldn't It wouldn't sit. No. And in a way, this is worse. And I'm against the child beauty pageants, you know, that America has yeah. run. Oh, man. Because that's also objectification and sexualization of yeah. girls. But that stays within the realm of the one contest. And it was pre... You know, I mean, they still do it today, I'm sure, but, you know, we didn't have this mass media reach. They weren't p being put into adult nightclubs, performing and collecting money. They're not um, set up to dance and prance about and, and twerk, you know, in, in these very sexualized manners. So there is a bit of a difference yeah. um, between the two. And Well, think about it. You don't... I'm sure those beauty pageants still exist. I remember we, talk, I think we talked about it maybe three years ago in the first couple of episodes we ever did. Yeah. I'm sure they still exist. Yeah. But none of those child, uh, child beauty pageant winners get that mass exposure. No, they don't. The same way as this Desmond kid does. No, and it's because the new media has kicked in as well. Yeah. But because their images aren't so widely distributed, and that's part, partly due to new media, and they're not placed in adult contexts. They're, they're, they're with each other. They're still kids they're, doing they're still, they're, talent they're kids, shows. They're kids yeah. with other kids with an adult audience. In this case, you've got children performing at, at, at adult drag shows. You have children performing at, at nightclubs. And there's Night, a, nightclubs. There's, and like I said, wrap that rainbow flag around it. All of a sudden, it becomes something else. It becomes... A, Art, yeah. It, well, expression. Yeah, yeah. Expression. It becomes... A, it, it's so inclusive and progressive, and it's, it's about tolerance, and it's... And He's he's bold and and tell me, I don't see what is so innovative about this child. To me, he is a cookie cutter. He yeah. is a drag queen template. There is nothing innovative. And someone said to me, "You're offended by this," and I said, "Well, I think it's, I think it's worse than offensive. No, it's wrong. It's, it's wrong. Exploitation. Yeah, of a kid. it's just wrong. And on top of that." When I was saying it's worse than offensive, it's uninteresting. Yeah. I think it's to be uninteresting is worse than to be offensive. <laughs> and I think it's uninteresting, uh, completely uninteresting and, and wrong on Didn't top of that it. that guy say that on um, American Beauty? When, um, you know, The Sun? You remember the movie American Beauty? I remember the movie. With your friend, uh, what's his name? Who? Um, Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah, I like Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yeah. I feel sorry for him anyway. He's fucked. Yeah, we'll get to him later. We'll yeah. finish off this topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> American Beauty was a great movie, mm. like outright. 
But yeah. I can never remember the name of the actor who played the son. No, I don't either. Never. No. He was he was great. I just it don't good. remember his name. It was name. a good cast, yeah. But I remember when he accuses uh, the blonde of being... um. Because she says, at least I'm not ugly. And he says, yeah, you are, and you're boring. You're boring. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I guess that, that is the big curse, isn't it? To be boring and, un- and or uninteresting. Yeah. I think it's also uninteresting, all this. And I've looked at his mother. Ah, ah <laughs> she's another one. <laughs> uh, and it, quite often, and, I, and I, I've looked across all these um, cases... I want to make an interesting point here when I before I get onto the mothers, but yeah. <laughs> you have got a very high. It's not just it's these claims of transgenderism. So you know, my boy plays with dolls, or, or let's just slap a label on him. He's, he's transgender, isn't yeah. it wonderful? To, to, again, it goes back to using children as political pawns and as weapons. Sometimes a revenge, um, and I'll explain the revenge bit in a bit too. But you have transgender. Alleged transgender children, drag kids, gender queer, gender fluid, etc., etc. Note the high levels of boys that are being pushed towards this, yeah. or towards the feminine, let's say, the social construct of femininity, or hyper-camp femininity. Note the very low levels of female girls being pushed to the masculine, or yeah, the none. traditional, virtually none. None. So that tells us that there... Not, not in mass media... No, no, no. Know, hysteria so levels. Th- that, that tells us that there is um, uh, an issue that these people have. It's a political issue against the traditional and conventional modes of masculinity. They're threatened by it. So you have women like Desmond's mother. The, the father is either, in these situations, the father is either completely non-existent or he's some, you know... Poor passive slob in in the background, and yeah. the mother's kind of at the forefront and calling the shots. Yeah. Uh, and I have to be straight up honest. You know, in the mass majority of cases I've seen of these children, the mothers are fat and ugly. <laughs> as, <laughs> the, the, in, as in the conventional forms of what, what I consider to be ugly yeah. and what would physically unappealing, and I think the majority of people would not consider these dames to be good looking, uh, and all overweight. The majority of them seem to be overweight, if not obese, but majority of them, let's say, overweight. So then I thought about why do we have this this trend? And it goes back to what I was saying in relation to Ford. I think not only are these women using their children as political uh, weapons because they've jumped on the LGBTI yeah. you know, propaganda or ideology when it comes to trans and gender and all this stuff, I also think that they're very ha- unhappy on the inside because they have not gotten the aesthetical and sexual validation and attention that they've craved from men. So this is their version of lashing out by taking that child and pushing that child away from traditional and conventional modes of masculinity to the feminine because it's that sector that has that they feel has let them down, that has not given them what they want. So they hold a grudge yeah. against the the male social structure against masculinity for not giving them what they want. So I talk a lot about this idea of how often these campaigns that these people carry, although they'll dress it up to be about the wider society, it's all about their own neuroses and their own hang-ups. So the way you see it, it's all just a psychological thing. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, you could say, you could I mean, say that. Yeah. I mean... It's also political. Yeah, political... Yeah. 
psychological it's a, it's social, a combination of yeah. the two and the poor children are being used pawns yeah as pawn, political pawns and weapons as instruments of revenge against you know against traditional modes of masculinity and the individuals and the structures that represent that to these mothers because it, it's always mothers that are pushing these boys to this area yeah which i find interesting case after case that i've examined it's always a boy that's being pushed to modes of femininity. And then sometimes you see these m- mothers who say, you know, my child is gender neutral. Boy, it's a... Yeah. Yet the boy is wearing pink and has um, pigtails. And you think to yourself, okay, well, you've still decked him out to be quite feminine. Yeah, you've taken whatever stereotype or... Yeah, highly- yeah, yeah. So he's really not yeah. gender free because you've given him very traditional modes of um, femininity. femininity. And this is the thing that I talk about that a lot of people get mixed up with, either deliberately or not, is that they don't understand the difference between manhood, womanhood, masculinity, and femininity. They're two very different things. When we talk about man, woman, we're talking about the natural. We're talking about the biological. That's what defines us as men and women. Three specific categories, you know, anatomy slash physical, physicality, physiology, which is functionality, and then you have the psychology, which i.e. the brain. Yeah. Male and female brains have similarities, but they're also different according to structure, uh, processing, and chemistry. Yeah. And quite often people think, well, you know, I feel like a woman, a man, like Sam Smith, we saw yeah. on Twitter, thinks he has a vivacious woman in himself. That, that video really killed it. Me. Did it did. That was sickening. Um, because I, how can you claim to have a woman in you? That's It's impossible. Because you don't have the biological, natural template of womanhood. What you have inside of you is your mass ego, is you have your in, uh, narcissism and your self-indulgence, and you also carry that, that oh-so-very-typical gay male perspective of what you think women ought to be, which I think is quite misogynistic, actually, because there's a one-vision template. It's always that demigoddess, pop-cultural diva. This is these platonic homosexual fantasies of the way, you know, women should be. And it's not femininity, even. It's this camp, hyper-femme, over-the-top, almost hysterical, Version it's of just a caricature of femininity. It, it's, a ca- it's a caricature, and men never get femininity right. This is the thing, you know, we say femininity and masculinity, they're, they're completely social. Yeah. Yet, you know, man, woman is natural, biological. Uh, but when they try to capture what they think is womanly, which is what they're really saying is femininity, they never get it right. And I had this interesting conversation on Facebook where I wrote up a statement piece, is that With the men that try to emulate women or emulate femininity, it's just all about themselves. It's all about their self-gratification. So when they emulate it, they're projecting their fantasies of what women or femininity should be, which is that over-the-top, hyper-femme, gaudy construct. It's not realistic whatsoever. There is no emulation of reality there. It's just their own self-indulgent vision. And on the flip side, um, lesbians or, say, you know, butch women or women that lean towards the masculine, when they emulate masculinity, my goodness, most of the time they get it right. The mass majority, they get it so right. And you know why? Because women don't have that mass ego, generally, like we said before. They're more empathetic by nature, and they observe us. 
They observe our masculinities. So when they emulate it, they're emulating a reality. They don't have an idealized vision of of men or masculinity in their head. No, they have idealized v- uh, versions of relationships. <laughs> yeah, idealized. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. but they, so they emulate masculinity quite accurately from yeah. the way that they the, their swaggers, the way that they move about, the, the the their characteristics. But they can't be men. They can never have male biology, but they do take on masculinity the reality and there's not just one way uh, one brand of masculinity yeah. you know there's different ways but you know that for more or less they capture all the most of those traditional and conventional elements they pull it off very well because they pay attention yeah they're not caught up in themselves in this vision of how they they should be according to some idealized pop cultural caricature so i give them credit for that they're good at it women are good at it that's why when you see a woman playing a man not a woman pretending to be a man, but an actual man in movies. They've done it well. You look at Kate Blanchett when she did played Bob Dylan, and I'm I'm not there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. You had Linda Hunt. Remember Linda, Linda Hunt, the, uh, the, the little, small, yeah, the short dwarf. woman. Yeah, she played a Chinese male dwarf, and she's not Chinese either. But when? in a film called The Year of Living Dangerously, which was a film about the Sukarno dictatorship in Indonesia, with Mel Gibson and Sigourney Weaver, she did that film, and she was fantastic. Mel Gibson and Sigourney Weaver. Yes, early eighties. And pre-lethal then, weapon. Oh yeah, pre-lethal okay. weapon. It was a very good film. You should see it. And then you have, you know, on the West End in um, you, London. You just said it. Sorry, you just yeah. said it. I'm gonna cut you off. Don't. You don't watch movies. You watch films. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the both. distinction both. between you know the distinction between a film and, and a, a movie. movie. Oh yeah, I watch both. I have my guilty, you know, yeah. great pleasures. With you, of course, I tend to watch films. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's one you should put on your list. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say on stage. Yeah, on stage we've had. Glenda Jackson in the West End, great British actress who's played King Lear. Yeah. Um, and Richard III, and you think, you know, can a woman do this? The answer is yes. Yeah. Because of what we just um, explained. Yeah, more in tune with actual character as opposed to just the idea of... Uh, and getting caught up in themselves. Yeah. And on the flip side, this was really pathetic. I, on Twitter, again, I saw it was a, <laughs> <laughs> a New York theatre company was putting on a streetcar named Desire. One of my favourite yeah. favorite plays, of course. And... Um, <coughs> The, um, they had decided to cast a, a transgender woman or a, a man who identifies as a woman who thinks he's a woman. You can't yeah. identify as the other sex. You either are, you either are a man or a woman, or you're not. There's no such thing as identifying as that. Or he's, or he could be gender fluid. Or anyway, it was along those lines. And I saw scenes from the play. Now, this is not Blanche Dubois as a transgender woman or as a gender fluid person. This is Blanche Dubois, a woman that happens to be played by this man. Yeah. So I was watching the segments and I couldn't stop, you know, almost vomiting from rage and annoyance because it was just that that thing that we're talking about. Camp. Hyper femme, camp. Uh, and I, you understand that Blanche as well is quite an over-the-top character. She's very fragile. She's, she's quite femme. She 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 is prone to histrionics, yeah. but it's a very fine line. And Tennessee Williams created that fine line beautifully, to the point that it was realistic. Yeah, uh, and we've seen great versions of it being played on stage and in, on screen. But this was exactly what we were talking about. You could see the self indulgence and narcissism of this man, who just wanted to you know put on what he thinks is his ideal version of femininity. 
and um, womanhood. And it, it comes across as caricature. Yeah. It comes across as tragic because it's all about him. It's yeah. all about him and his vision for himself. Where's the... That's just bad acting, man. Well, on top of it, <laughs> you know, you know, where's the homage to women? Where's the homage to Blanche Dubois? Where's the respect you're paying to the, the character? No, it doesn't exist. No, it, it doesn't exist. And you could just see, you know, he was swaying about in the slip and, you know, posing and, and, and posturing the way that he thinks that, you know, w- women behave. It's silly.